Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! This is The Fizzle Show, and it's New Year's Day! We are the show that helps small business starters find their own success. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you actually care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run a website called Fizzle.co where new and used entrepreneurs learn how to create, develop, and grow a personal business in the modern age. Membership costs about a dollar a day, uh, but, but as a listener, you can try your first five weeks for free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, in this episode, as I said, it's New Year's Day, and we've got a doozy for you to start out 2016 with. Here's a quote from a fizzler. I think it was pretty stupid to put all that time and energy into something and let my own fears keep me from doing anything with it. So I want to sort of relaunch it and give it a real go this time. That quote comes to us from a fizzler who had successfully already made a product and earned quite a bit of money from it, but then something sort of kept him back from promoting it and growing it any further. So in this episode, we share his story and our advice about identifying and deconstructing the feelings, fears, and insecurities that keep lots of us from taking action on our businesses. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 143. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. And we're back! You get better at that every time. I try, I try to. I've got my like, uh, it's my David Lee Rothy sort of thing. Yeah. It, my listeners at home, they can't see my leg fly up or all of the tassels <laughs> hanging off of my microphone stand. Yeah, <laughs> scarves and tassels. Saw a picture of Dave Grohl and and, um, and what's his name, uh, Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith, mm. and like Stephen Tyler had his like arm up on Dave Grohl, like super close, and like they were just like posing for the camera, and some other musician was retweeting it, going like, "I was I was as close to my mom as Dave Grohl is to his." <laughs> His mom? Yeah, because <laughs> Tyler just looks like such a perfect, like, rock star mom. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, so we got that going for us. That's good. Um, any follow-up on last week's episode? Uh, I, I, we're recording this one ahead of time, so we don't really know what just happened. <laughs> any uh, fake future follow-up that we fake might Fake future follow-up. Oh, Terry says, uh, the LaCroix bits have been off the charts amazing. Thanks for them. Oh, that this was, is when we do. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Just, uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, you keep it going. Or That's true. So this is, we're doing FU, as you called it. This is FU. The follow-up. F-U. But it's really fake future. Fo- it's FFU. It's FFU. A fake, fake future follow-up. Yeah. And, and I think we're done with it now. Okay. So, Good. Yeah, well, let's move on. We've back to the future it. Um, uh, so, Steph, uh, give us, a, give us a, a little depth charge. What are we going to be talking about today? All right. So today, we have a situation from another fizzler. I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to recap from his exact words, what's going on with this particular fizzler and then I have like a really quick boiled down version to just kind of wrap it up so funnily enough this is another Adam so I guess the episode two weeks ago was a fizzler called Adam this is a different Adam Mm. and uh, I'll I'll give you guys just so everybody knows there's more people in fizzle than just a few people named Adam (laughs) Uh, there's more than that but it's weird that we focus on them so much this is just a good question we thought we'd answer right that's right Okay, so here is Adam's situation. Adam says, about a year ago, I decided to turn my love 
for and experience with podcasting into an online course. I decided to pre-sell it as a way to validate the idea and cover the cost of creating it. So Adam's course did very well in his three-week pre-sale. He made about 10K and then another 2K, so $12,000 in the lead up to the launch. But importantly, I never did anything with it once I finished the pre-sale. I've written a thousand words about why I never tried harder to sell it. The short version is that I let my own insecurities and fear of making a product keep me from doing anything with it when I was done. That said, I think it was pretty stupid to put all that time and energy into something and let my own fears keep me from doing anything with it. So I want to relaunch it and give it a real go this time. When I created it, I saw my audience as anyone who wanted to start a podcast. So anybody out there who's interested in starting a podcast, that's who Adam originally made this course for. Um, And he wanted to just teach them how to start a podcast. But I think the focus needs to be much more narrow than that. The majority of my audience are entrepreneurs of some sort, and I love that audience because I am part of it as well. So then Adam proceeds to whittle down his audience as follows. He went from, in his own mind, he went from anyone who wants to make a podcast to entrepreneurs who want to make a podcast to online entrepreneurs who want to make a podcast to online entrepreneurs who make a living or are trying to make a living with content marketing or info products and want to add a podcast to their contact content marketing arsenal. He says, I think it's much better than just, quote, anyone who wants to make a podcast. However, I spend a lot of time in my course talking about foundational content marketing issues as they relate to podcasting. So topics like choosing the right topic, defining your audience, creating evergreen content, branding, list building, etc. So if my audience is made up of online entrepreneurs and content marketing types, won't they already know that stuff? If the answer is yes, then I either need to pick a different audience, which negates the one I already have, or redo the course to focus on the parts that they don't know. And he says, neither of those are appealing because they both involve some version of starting over. So now Steph's boiled down version of this is this. I made a thing. It did okay, but I could have done more to promote it. On this second try, I want to reach a more targeted audience and reaching a more targeted audience involves more work and possibly starting over. Wow. This this to me is really interesting, not only because uh, this is an Adam and the one we did two weeks ago was also an Adam, but if you think about it, the last Adam that we covered was this phenomenal success story. Yeah. It 25K in three and a half weeks and uh, worked his tush off and yeah. um, really followed through. Took us. And has a nice little business. Mm-hmm. Here we have what could have been the exact same story. We have what could have been the same success story. Yeah. Oh my God, I pre-launched this thing. I did 12K. What do yeah. I do next? I launched the thing. Now I yeah. made another 10K. I did 25,000 in a month. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm overwhelmed. But instead, after that little bit of success, after that first like 10K mm-hmm. pre-sale, he never launched the thing. Arguably, it was just a tip and then he never finished the business. Whoa. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no. Of the iceberg. Not, the tip of the iceberg. Arguably. I'm talking about no. it's the tip of the iceberg. No. no. What? <laughs> not okay. We do not talk like that in this house. Chase is in the, uh, just like, burn the bridges. <laughs> I love Steph in the background. I can just barely hear her going huh? like, what? You need to see my face. I'm like covering my mouth. Like, no, don't let it be real. Train oh, no, don't let it be real. <laughs> so keep going, Corbett. You were saying? We do not endorse that kind of behavior around here. <laughs> wow. That was a strong reaction. I'll set a marker there and see what I do about it. I just, 
I just want to point out that the difference between this like long drawn out, I'm sure he's been beating himself up. This the pre-launch was like six months ago or mm. more, right? Mm. Um, and he's been beating himself up since then, and yeah. he's been trapped in his own head, and now he has to go back to the drawing board, and a whole year's gonna go by between the pre-launch and when he gets the real thing out. Yeah. And the and it could have been a phenomenal success story. And the only thing that kept him yeah. from that was this mental anguish that he put himself through about with the self-doubt about mm-hmm. should I put this thing out? Is it good enough? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now reading into this, I think that he is deflecting us a little bit uh, or the people in the forums who is asking feedback from about the real issue, which is really that self-doubt and, and the failure to launch. Yeah. Um, and so now he's going into, should I, should I narrow my audience? And we should cover both of those issues. Yeah. But in many ways, uh, this should never have been about. Do I need to redefine my audience? Right. Yeah. Unless he, unless he went through the launch and then found out that oh, it's too broad or something. Yeah, I think what, what you're bringing up is a really good point to me about defining the audience in general. This is something that's very core to what we do. Was what I mean. It's, Adam mentioned it in in, uh, in his forum thread, saying like, uh, "Hey, th- I cover things that are essential to content marketers, like choosing a topic." defining your audience yada 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 these are all the things that we teach early on in starting a business because they're super important because a business is solving somebody's problem well who's the somebody that's the defining your audience part right yep but built into that defining your audience is always in every person that that i've ever taught this through and every person that goes through the courses in fizzle they're like okay is it defined enough now yeah what how will i know when it's defined enough is that right? Is that right? How about now? How about now? And then you can really create so much work about this that that you can keep yourself from actually doing any real work. Totally. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's one of those things. It's like, oh, this is fun. Let's keep making diagrams on the whiteboard. You know, uh, let's keep thinking about the 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 <laughs> the things on my target market audience person's Christmas list. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, and really, that's why in Fizzle. Uh, all of the choosing a topic and defining your audience and pre-work that goes into defining what your business is going to be yeah. culminates in a one-page business plan. Yeah. Because we don't want you to spend all this time on it without actually talking to people and getting evidence and then um, you know, creating something and putting it out in the world. Yeah. And I'm really confused about this because Adam has evidence that people want this thing to the tune of $12,000 of sales before a product even existed. Yeah. And yet now... He, you know, admits that self-doubt kept him from launching it, and yet he is keeping himself from launching it again by yeah. creating this make work that probably doesn't need to happen. Yeah, so, no, it's a big, yeah, Steph, go for I'll it. I'll add one thing. I, I just tie into this. I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are listening who can totally relate to the to the feelings of being exposed that Adam might be feeling right now. Good response from one of our fizzlers, Claire said something that I thought was really interesting. She said, someone I trusted big time said that she would never shell out $500 for my services unless I could guarantee results beforehand. If I had let that stop me, I would have never made a dollar. And she also says that she this thread has her thinking long and hard about why she broke her, her back to launch a course that she then never put out for sale again. And she thinks it's because she didn't get amazing feedback is what she says. 
Uh, and no one ever told her and raved all over her about how great it was. And she's terrified of people feeling like they f- they feel they wasted their money. So yeah. to me, this kind of goes back to, I know a few episodes ago, I believe it was episode 140 when we talked about how to create your own definition of success. You know, I admitted myself that I have struggled with that feeling of wanting to be praised or wanting to feel like people are falling all over, all over you telling you what a great job you did. And sometimes I think that that desire can be the thing that holds you back. Even when people are paying money, it's all. It's easy to ask yourself, like, are people really getting anything out of this? And then that can hold you back for the next launch. Mm. And here's the thing. Like, let me introduce you to a little friend of ours that I try not to pay attention to. And that's our customer feedback channel in Slack. It's miserable if that's all you do is focus on the negative feedback or the people who aren't giving you the best feedback in the world. Tell them it's not for them and tell them to go away and then go find customers who do fit. You know, we we have to focus on that as entrepreneurs, because if all you focus on is did every single person who bought this thing succeed because of it, you're going to be miserable forever. You're never going to get there. It's impossible to make 100% of your customers happy unless you only have one customer, maybe. And even then they're going to be pissed off at you half the time. So it's just this unreasonable expectation that everyone who buys a thing is going to be extremely happy with it. Sure, it's something to shoot for and always be getting better, but come on. And it's also like, uh, looking at customer feedback objectively and using it to improve your product is a skill that you have to get good at. Yes. Mm. It's a lot like public speaking or something. You're not going to just magically get up there and hit it out of the park. Yeah. You have to receive a lot of customer feedback. You have to go through those painful periods where you take everyone personally for a while. And then you start to recognize that it's a signal versus noise kind of thing. And you're just looking for what's the pattern here yeah. and what are the things that I can take away from it. And some people... Um, are pissed off for all kinds of reasons. They had a bad day at work or something and yep. they decided to take it out on you because yeah. you're customer service. You're an anonymous person at the end of an email and uh, you can overreact to that, especially if you get one of those early on. So you got to learn to start seeing beyond that. And Steph knows more about this, I guess, than the rest of us since she's literally dealing with this every day. Mm. Um, yep. So you can chime in here, Steph, but you have to uh, learn to discern when someone is coming with feedback because they legitimately want to help you improve the product Mm. versus people who are just because of something else. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And we've talked about this one before, you know, but I think the most important thing and Corbett just hit the nail on the head is you you have to find a way to to detach yourself and look for the nuggets of helpfulness that you can find in even the most scathing email. I mean, some of the emails I get, I get caught up in them and I have to walk away and sometimes I want to get sassy with people and write back, but I don't do it because it's not worth my time. And when somebody is really trying to give you helpful criticism, that's when you can apply it. But I think taking it personally is the first thing that has to go because it's really, it's, it's, it's never about you as a person. It's about whatever that person's individual situation is. I and think it's most important. We don't know that that's what derailed Adam. In fact, he had, he did pre-sales and maybe he didn't yeah. get any feedback, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's what bummed him out. Right. Um, but, you know, just to, to hammer this point home, even now, even though we are, uh, you know, we've been building products for a long time and we've been working as a team, at least Chase and I now for over three years, um, even now internally, we debate sometimes which feedback to share yeah. with the rest of the team. Yeah. Because if one of us recognizes that there may not be much that's constructive in some feedback, if somebody's griping, especially about one of us, you know, like Normally a podcast me. or something. <laughs> 
We like, for example, such as if someone is complaining about Chase being <laughs> a terrible person all the time on the show, that is something I might question sharing with him from the start. But we, you know, even though we've gotten better at at receiving feedback and understanding when it's useful and when it's not, yeah. still sometimes like Barrett doesn't always tune into the customer feedback channel because it's mm. you know it can get you down even if yeah. you're good at it. So yeah. it's a skill and it's a really important one, especially if you're on the front line. And if you're a yeah. one person entrepreneur, yeah. then you definitely are. So, 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 so what we're what we're getting, what we're here, it, hearing here is is there's a lot of self doubt that comes with putting together something, and then uh, the sort of uh, fear of putting it out there and w- like waiting. In in the audience guide, um, there's a, we have a free guide on how to define your audience. Just 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 a couple of, of really quick um, worksheets powerful questions and a handful of interviews with some experts. That's that's totally for free. That'll be in the show notes. This is episode 143, I think it is, right? Yeah. So fizzleshow.co slash 143. I'll put in the audience guide right there for you to download for free. And uh, one of the things that we uh, that we get into in that is is the fact that like a lot of <laughs> what's far more common is to launch something and nobody buys. Right? Yeah. There's like crickets. Nothing. Imagine how that feels, right? Right? Feels terrible. And so part of defining your audience is getting to the point where, oh, I know who I I know who I'm trying to get in front of and I know how to get in front of them. Either I've been building my own my own, you know, sort of outpost in a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel that that these people are coming to, or there's these other blogs or podcasts or YouTube channels or things like forums and stuff like that 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 they're there and I can I can go have discourse with them there. Um, so, so part of, of this defining your audience is about not having that crickets moment where you launch a thing and go like, holy crap. Another feeling is when you launch it and people like buy it, like Adam in Adam's situation, sending $12,000 and yeah, so either you don't get any feedback. So you're like, Hey, I just spent a lot of time and money, uh, time and effort on this thing. I hope it's good. Uh, and then you don't really hear any feedback from people or, you hear like negative feedback from people or something like that, right? Um, what's interesting to me is hearing this in in Adam's situation where he was talking about, I want to, you know, Stefan, your recap of it. You're like, okay, I made a thing. It did okay. I didn't, and then I didn't really promote it much after that. I'm wanna co- I want to come at this again and I want to be more focused in how I do it, mm-hmm. right? It's right. really the, the gist of, of what Adam's saying here. Um, and, and, and we know Adam, I know Adam very well. He's a friend. And and he's like me in that and that we we will feel like very much like this is this product is me this thing that I'm making is me and if it's not good I'm not good you know what I mean it's that kind of problem that can come when you either don't get the feedback or you get a couple negative feedback or things like that you know I, I don't know if you're new to this dear listener but you will hear negative feedback about your business or about the things that you make and it takes like whatever 25 positive things to erase one of the negative things that you just heard i just saw with someone comment on one of our youtube videos uh about the, i think one of the design course youtube videos that we put out for free and the guy, someone was just like, "You're an idiot. You're just a total, 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 total idiot." Yeah, and it, and it's amazing. I love YouTubers it. are the but best. you get like I'm used to it now, right? That would have literally scathed me back yeah. then. It, I'm really used to it now, partly because so many people really seem to dislike me on the show, and equally though, so many people seem to do like me. So it's just, I am stuck in a whirlwind of just trying to figure out oh, things. So so this is the self doubt thing that is yeah. common to all of us on. Entrepreneurs, right? Yep. Yeah. What are you looking at? What was that? Step one, like go listen to that show because we don't need to rehash all the stuff that happened there. But, but I want to put this in perspective. So, 
if we were to start this thread related to fizzle, same with the same attitude, same approach, same mindset, it would read something like, we started this business, it's made, you know, whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars or something over time, and uh, now we're a little worried that maybe online business builders was too big of an audience. We're thinking we're going to start over from scratch, just kind of throw everything away that we've done already and rebuild it from the ground up specifically for people who want to be content marketers and specifically earning money from ad revenue. Right. And let's just not focus on everything that's gone well to this point because it's probably better to focus on a smaller audience. And anyone who heard that would call us bozos. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. what are you guys, a couple bozos? Tart language there. Sharp like cheddar cheese. Friendly for the holiday road trips, you know? Family friendly. Yeah. 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 No, you're you're absolutely right. And the fact is that we could be telling that story because we do internally debate sometimes sometimes this is a big deal. Sometimes we have heated debates. We have a successful business and we still ask this. Yes, Mm -hmm. but the difference is we don't let that debate derail us and force us to scrap the mm, entire thing right. this might be that might be a really really big point that might be what this conversation is really you, about yes adam needs to be selling this thing despite his questions yep instead of putting everything on hold while he figures those things out that's what growing so a business on. is let's let's reverse engineer this a little bit why wouldn't i be selling something despite the fact that it's working a little bit somewhere or it has worked okay partly because I'm not proud of the thing that I made. I don't feel like it's very, very good. I'm not convinced that it's helpful to yep. people. Okay, that could be a real thing. This is something we built into the roadmap. Part of the growth thing is, is hey, we have this growth cycle in the, in the roadmap where it's like, okay, you've got something out there. Now the question is, after you've launched it, you've done the things, you've gotten a little bit of initial feedback and stuff like that. The question is, do you need to make improvements to this product before you start marketing it a bunch? Right. And or do you need to make another product? But that question is in response to a problem, which is nobody bought this thing. And so the problem here, and this is something I resonate with in Adam, is it's a felt problem, but not necessarily a real problem out there in the world. Well, and and maybe it is. and, And it's great to have the goal of creating a better product. But that's something you do over time while people are buying it. You don't put the right. whole thing on hold. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Because then where's the money going to come from? Where do the resources come from to pour into it? You you have to be willing to do the work necessary to learn what you need to know to make it better. And the only way you do that is by getting it in people's hands over and over and then constantly improving it. And honestly, he's setting himself up for a bunch of risk here that he's yes. going to narrow this audience. Yeah so far yeah. and create a product that it turns out nobody wants. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's the biggest risk. And, and honestly, this is one thing that, that I hear. So hold on. What, what, I think that's a really big deal, what you just said, Corbett. Help me summarize what you were getting at in in that whole like sort of thing. I feel like we nailed it. Yeah. I th- well, I think all of us have a period where what we created isn't perfect and we're not yeah. necessarily all that proud yeah. of it. No. The difference between people who are successful we've talked about this as like the dumb guy entrepreneur mm-hmm. like there are people out there who we don't think are particularly talented or yeah. care that much about their audience and yet they succeed yeah. because they're so operationally driven to put something together put it out there sell it yeah and then they a lot of times they don't even worry about improving it no the rest of us who succeed hopefully put something out there that's just bare bones to see if people like it we collect feedback we yeah. improve it along the way um and that leads to 
us having this business within Fizzle now, whereas we could have stopped at some point and said, well, we got some good feedback, but we got some mediocre feedback. Yeah. Or we could still be in the shed, you know, working on the thing still and haven't launched it because we're trying to make it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that Adam doesn't bring up much here is he doesn't talk at all about this potentially being a marketing problem, not a product problem. A lot of what he's talking about could easily be solved with some good marketing to a specific audience. See, but I don't even, I, I guess maybe if you're talking about, I need to refine my audience, but I think the problem, I haven't heard a problem here. I think the only problem is between his ears. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm saying. And so it might, the only thing he might need to do to fix this is to change his mindset on, okay, I made this thing. It's for these people. Now I'm going to go tell them that it's here. That's right. all he has to do. Steph, what are you hearing over there? I, I want to summarize one other important thing we've said that I think needs a bow on it, which is I feel we would be having a very different conversation right now if the fact that he hadn't done so well in that three-week pre-sale, if that, if that wasn't a fact, right? I mean, Adam yes. even says... I also decided to pre-sell it as a way to validate and cover my cost of creating it. So he even had the right thought going into this, right? He thought to himself, I'm not going to make this the picture perfect end all be all course. I'm going to create probably some version of an MVP. And if it does well, then great. I'll, I'll keep iterating, which is like textbook, probably yeah. what we would recommend. And this could have gone one of two ways. In the current situation, he made $12,000 in three weeks. I would say that's pretty awesome validation. I would keep going. If you put it out there and like Chase said, and it was crickets, we would be having a totally different conversation about defining audience. So to me, for people who are listening, like that is the critical piece of information that this whole situation hinges on. And here's part of what I think happened. For some people's psychology, the whole pre-sale thing and talking about things before they're done is actually really, really bad for them because you get the whole rush, the whole success feeling, the whole before endorphin thing yeah. way up front. And then you have all this work in front of you. That's and true. I think in this case, you really have to know what kind of reaction you have to that sort of feeling. Because I think for Adam in particular, this was a case where he got all of that up front and then he looked at the work that was in front of him yeah. and he felt all this pressure because of how much money it already made. But here's the thing. He did finish the product. He did. He finished and delivered Finally. it to the people who bought it. Yeah. So sell it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, I mean, like... You know, on the most practical end of things, I, I was a little mean to Adam in the forums. I, I My first response to him was, this is a non-issue. And that is my basic <laughs> viewpoint, that it's a psychological issue, like you're saying, Corbett. Yeah. It's not a business issue. Yeah. So that's the kinder way to put it, mm -hmm. is that this is a mindset thing that you need to address, not a business problem that needs solving. The only technical steps here are put up a landing page, communicate who it's for and why they will benefit from it, put a price tag on it and a buy button and see what happens. I think another thing that might be in play here is the idea of uh, this is just a, now this is just a thing teaching about podcasting right alongside all these other things that are teaching about podcasting. It is not special. It is not necessarily better. It is not the thing about podcasting. Mm -hmm. It's just the thing about podcasting that I made and I'm selling to my mm -hmm. audience. Sure. And I think that there is a... For I think there's a, I mean that's a I, like I feel very strongly that Fizzle is the premier place to learn how to build a new kind of independent indie business, right? I feel like like we're on that path. We yeah. already are that, and 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 even all the holes that I see in the in the training, all the places that I want to improve, there are so many of them. Even still, like I can I can look at the success stories. I, I also look at all the people canceling every day and sending me an email in the in the exit survey, and so I see both of these things, but. 
I have, in the last three years, been really convinced that this is insanely valuable. And we are probably the people working hardest for this group of people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that to me is exciting. Even though we don't have the recognition I, I think we deserve, even though there are others out there who are, who are much more successful according to certain metrics or, or whatever, um, I still have a conviction that what we're doing is in the right vein and we're, we, are, we, will, be, we will beat everyone. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like we, we are going to be doing this because this is what we do. It's not just a piece of our product offering. Um, and, and it's a mission that we all care a lot about. So there's, there's, there's that all-in-ness. By the way, funny uh, Fizzle Show fact uh, trivia for you. Before it was called The Fizzle Show, oh, yeah. we were tooling around with calling it all-in. Mm-hmm. And I I think the Fizzle Show is better. I do too. All in was pretty good, but but it's kind of twee and cute. It could have been like a poker show. Yeah, it could have been a poker show. Um, so so to me, maybe maybe that's something that's missing in Adam Excuse is a me. conviction. Can I interrupt this real quick? Yeah. What's that? Can you explain to me what twee means? Twee is like <laughs> uh, is is like the song that plays in the background of every commercial right now, where it's like some like. <laughs> some Julia Lewis girl like whistling going like okay, and then like a right. fucking violin yeah. or, or a mandolin or some shit the urban dictionary definition says something that is sweet almost to the point of being sickeningly so yeah yeah it's like how many times have you spilled your Cheerios <laughs> oh children uh, here's a new bounce fabric softer something something it's like and then it's like Coke cans and it's just it's like the it's the it's twee it's twee understood all right moving yeah. on now I wish I had a better it, it, mostly it's just ukuleles that's <laughs> mostly <laughs> I just wanted to make sure mostly it's feist it's feist it's Every... feist who's great who's great but she has been twisted and turned by by ad agencies into yeah. uh, into a certain sound so so for me there's this conviction piece that I think wh- that's what I'm hearing in Adam's story as he's telling it to be honest. Uh, it, it's, it's, Hey, I was doing this thing cause I kind of felt like I was supposed to do this thing and I'm not sure. And, and, and it's making me some money. It's okay. Whatever. I don't know. Like <laughs> to me, that's how I would summarize it. Right. Because I know that feeling of going like, I just worked a lot on a thing and I don't, it's, it's not getting me what I wanted. And I think I'm in the wrong vein and it takes a lot of self awareness. Right. And a lot of time for me to sit in that thing before I go like, I think I was trying to make this all alone, not that. Yeah. You know? And maybe it means that maybe there's some deeper thing that you need in your life and you were hoping to find it. It's just a direction. Launch. It's just a different, it, it could be a different direction. It could be, it could be like a different audience that does, that is someone that you're like, you know what? These people are valuable. Yeah. Right? Like I, now another thing I want to address in here with, with Adam is, is he makes a ton of assumptions. And they're wrong assumptions about this audience thing. This is really important when we're defining our audience, okay? Because the assumptions that you make end up complete, like end up being a little thing right now that change the direction uh, uh, over time by by huge degrees. So when he says like, "Oh wait, if I'm targeting these content marketers about podcasting, won't they already know this stuff about content marketing?" And and that's just an assumption that like you talk to enough content marketers out there and most of them who are calling themselves content marketers, they don't know that stuff or they'll say like, "Yeah, I kind of know it, but like let me retrain me in it." You know what I mean? Like it's not that is not a felt issue. Right. A felt issue to them is what's important, not like, uh, "Oh, I know all this stuff already." It's like this is all things that add to the value of this thing you're teaching me to do. Yeah, and and the the big 
missing piece of the puzzle here is um, these are questions that he's debating internally and he's asking some other entrepreneurs about, but he's not talking enough with his specific audience. If he was talking with people about the product that he had already made and gathering feedback about it, how did it help you? What yeah. do you think was missing? So on and so forth. Um, and his the the way he's planning to narrow his audience doesn't jive with the podcast he has. Mm. Yeah, he's thinking about going down this. I definitely marketing. sense that. Right? There's this little incongruity between what the product and the marketing that he's thinking of heading in, and the sort of the authenticity and the and the uh, and, and just the, who he talks who he to is. In general. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of what's at play here. Because I I think I have the sense that like there's a lot of wisdom in our bodies that our mind won't let us like there's something in our psyche that just goes like I'm not gonna let you see that it'd be too dangerous <laughs> do you know do you know what I mean yeah. so I think something in him literally knows that either this is incongruent with who he is um, but why now so why would he be doing it well because I could probably make some bucks over here. Well, because I'm probably supposed to do this. Well, because this might make me someone with a little bit of notoriety and and respect from my peers. Yeah. Well, because like a little bit of success would feel pretty good. Yeah. Right. Versus like, well, like so that's what takes us in these directions. And part of it is is guys like us who say like, listen, you got to find a problem. You got to solve that problem. Well, anybody in this world can see the problem of like people who need to be able to start a product and or start a podcast. And it's like, okay, I'll make a product to solve that problem. And and. Can you make a product that's like who you are? No, you can't. But you can you can be in a vein of 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 mission and purpose that feels more that feels that doesn't let you down in the same way that another vein yeah, could. But come on, I mean, there. I don't think there's an author in this world who has written more than one book who would say I would write my first book again today. No one. I have never met an author who sure. has said that. And well, have you? Maybe To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, it was yeah, a good one. Would, I, would, but, I mean, she, would, I'd she write, was basically I'd a, a one-trick pony. Yeah, she just came out with another book. Well, maybe and it, it. Yeah, I mean, anyways, so it was racist and weird. <laughs> <laughs> now he said the book. Okay, good. All right. Uh, anyways, um, point being, this is about body of work. This is not you. This is not your person. This yeah. product is not the only thing you ever get to make. But the way you get to the next one is you make it make you $12,000 a year for the next five or 10 years. And then you build on that so that you can build an independent sure. career. You don't get to just neglect all of the work you've done. This is a big point. This yeah. is a big point. The, the idea is what are you getting from your work and what do you want from your work, right? This is something that I've had to process a lot because everything that I make, I want it to turn into like, oh, look, uh, now, now Seth Godin wants to be my dad. And Merlin Mann is like, just wants to schedule calls with me all the time. And John Roderick is just like, hey, you're pretty cool. We should hang out. Yeah. Uh, you know, like all of these things, like all of these, these things that are like real, like deep soulish things for me, they're, they're misplaced. They're sort of like, they come from a brokenness, not from a fixedness, you know? But, but I, I'm expecting, I kind of, ex I, I tend to expect things like that from my work. At least I have. And well, I've been doing a lot. I have to do a ton of processing to separate myself from that. And instead, what do I insert instead? Uh, it's seeing the usefulness of the work for the particular people that, that have bought the product. That is what ends up filling that hole for me. When, but it takes a lot of mental gymnastics, you know, to come to like, hey, this is the value of this work. It's not going to get Seth Godin to give me a buzz. You know, it's gonna it's gonna help Teresa to to actually make progress on her business. Yeah, right. That's a big deal. Sometimes you don't know. Right. It might 
it might get yeah. to Seth Godin's desk. And the, the news flash is that he's still not going to get in touch. He could read that. <laughs> totally. He could read it. He could watch it. And even it, if he, he could, did, like, yeah. big deal. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Totally. But L you're, I, talking I can, to a, you're talking to the four-year-old inside of me. You're I not know, talking no, to me. And I have that feeling, too. I'm not neglecting the reality of it. Sure. I'm just saying that, that like, I, I know for a fact a piece of work could end up on an idol of yours desk yeah. and they could read it and admire it and it would change nothing yeah. about the path forward. Yeah. 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 And it's so it's it's just this like so, ghost out there that's never going to perform for you. Sure. I want to go back to something else um which is you talk about wanting this product to to be you yeah. or to yeah. like be a piece of you and I think a lot of us feel that way. Yeah. But here's the thing. We've all spent 20, 30, 40 years figuring out who we are. Yeah. Being us. Yeah. You and, you are not, uh, you could never be a blog post. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> well, and, and, and beyond that, think back to your teenage years when you had, when you listened to uh, the Goo Goo Dolls or whatever. Oh, I did a little bit. Yeah. There's like some embarrassing stuff in our past when we were so figuring out. why don't out... you slide? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Wait. Hey, that's a that good song. That was your teenage years? <laughs> hey, yeah. And I'll do anything you ever do. That's my bike yeah. riding music, guys. Oh, the future was a fire. Was a fire. You really didn't learn the words, even though you liked them so much. My point, my my point is, um, there were things that you did when you were figuring out who you were in mm. your teenage years, in your twenties, in your thirties. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, that maybe you're not proud of, or maybe were like directions that you didn't end up totally following yeah. later, painting your fingernails black or whatever it was. Listen, takes all kinds. And to put out your first product and to want it to be a reflection of who you are, yeah. but to expect yourself to be capable of doing that when you've never published a product before. Yeah. Like think about all the weird things that you have to do to create a product and all the things that you don't know um, are going to be important if you really want it to embody who you are. Yeah, And you look at people's evolution and you see after a while sure oprah can put something out and it really feels like oprah but she has like 200 people working on that thing sure. and she has exactly 35 years of history of yeah. putting things took, out she took a photo and put her face on it and didn't touch it but it's her yeah and it's not even her so there isn't yeah it's fake this is a falsity it's not real of course of course of course we know we know that you cannot put out a piece of work that is right. a, is is that is you right you can't do it that, that it is you you also i don't think you can put out this is some buddhisty mind trick stuff but you cannot put out a piece of work that gives you what you want from it unless you know what you want from it and that's a very difficult uh that's a very difficult thing to it requires work to go into yourself yeah. and figure out what are you expecting from this work because most of us don't do that, right? And right. it is the cause of a lot of people giving mm -hmm. up. It's the so, cause of a ton of people. What's that? Uh, go for it. On top, on top of that, you also can't put something out there that's going to make anybody do anything. And I think yeah. that's really important too. Chase, you talked about the conviction that you have that Fizzle is the place for people who are trying to build a business online. And yet we have conversations internally about people within our community that we wish they would just get up and take action, but we can never make them do that. Right. Yeah. And it's like, we can't hold ourselves to that standard. We can't measure ourselves based on if everybody in our community has a su successful business. We can yeah. try, we can coach people, we can put the tools in their hands, but at the end of the day, you can't make them get out there and do it. So but back to Adam, he can't make people 
you know, every single person in his audience have a successful podcast. And I think it's very natural to try to hold yourself to that standard. Yeah. It's just not possible. So instead, the expectation can't be, you know, everybody in my audience is going to have overnight success. No way. Instead, it's I'm going to give everybody out there the best tools to have a successful podcast. And then whether or not they take it and run with it at the end of the day, that's on them. Or you can also, one of the things that we've talked about before is the difference between focusing on the thousands of people and the growth and the top line numbers yeah. versus the individual success stories. And this is one of those mind trick things. Yeah. If you just focus on, okay, you know, let's say 20 people are going to buy this course. I'm going to work to find the the one person amongst those 20 that's actually yeah. going to use it. And I want a success story out of that because then I feel like, okay, you know, maybe I earned $12,000 from this thing. And, you know, only a few people used it, but one of them created a successful podcast. Yeah. That's worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I created more value in the world than people paid me for it. Yeah. I should feel good about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so to me, the, the, the sum total of, of, of this kind of segment is, is about this question of what are you expecting from your work? This isn't a question for Adam. It, it is, it's, but it's for all of us. It's, it's for every one of us. You're making a blog post. You're making a podcast episode. You're making a course. You're making a website. You're making, uh, you're trying to build your email list. You're whatever, right? Whatever you're working. What do you expect? What are you expecting from that? How are you expecting to feel? How do you want to feel about it? Like all of those things that we talked about in our, how do you define your own success episode, episode 140, which I'll put in the show notes. But, Figuring out your expectations around the thing, if you can get them down on paper, oftentimes when they're staring back up at you from their ballpoint pen ink, they're just sitting there going like, <laughs> like the like the poor unfortunate souls in in uh, in, in what is Little it Little Mermaid. Mermaid? They're just they're weak. They're 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 so misguided and misplaced. Do you well, know but, what I mean? And and I I like that idea of writing them down on paper. I think the tr the the tricky part is knowing what you're not admitting to yourself that that's the, that's if, the work because if if you're if the only thing that's going to make you happy is if seth godin calls you i doubt that you're ever going to write it down as one of your goals yeah because you won't allow yourself to see that that's what you're really wanting and yeah. and by the way and that's not that's that's like hey i wish my i wish my dad would have loved me more hey right. i wish i had received more love hey i wish i felt more lovable more, more of the time yeah right it, it's it's those are those are the little the little the little versions that you might be able to see is like, oh, it would be really cool if this person I admire like kind of gave me permission that like I'm a good person or yeah. that I'm good at this kind of thing. But even deeper than that is the sense that like, I wish I already knew that and I didn't need anybody to tell me mm -hmm. that. You know, that this is the kind of like soul work that that to me is what it's like to be an entrepreneur. But yeah. also because like that's my, my path, that's the path that I'm on. I'm always sort of figuring that stuff the out. The thing about having them on paper too is that you're going to have to look at some of them and say, it's not, fair of me to ask this of this you can't yeah you cannot I that, can't it can't give it to this. you exactly yeah. and i think that's a problem a lot of people face is they're asking for things from their work that they can't give you yeah they're this is asking for results this is probably why a lot of relationships fail because you're looking for something yeah. for yourself dude no you expect your partner totally. to give you yeah. there's this great quote elizabeth gilbert uh who uh, who i became an instant fan of after listening to this interview even though i've not read any of her work i hadn't even seen her ted talk which i've since seen and and it's amazing she wrote eat pray love and all this stuff she was on uh you look uh, or you made it weird with pete holmes great conversation 
Um, but she said, like, think of all the things that you are expecting of your of your spouse. You're like, I want you to be incredibly sexy to me for the rest of our lives. Um, I want you to be able to make time for me. I want us to get all of the same kind of jokes. I want our humors to be the same. I need you to fit in with my family, and I need it to be easy to fit in with your family. Like, like, the, and she yeah. keeps going. She keeps going. She has several things. She's like, just so you know, these are the expectations that we all have on our spouses. Just we have never had higher expectations of the person that we we want to of our like dream person or the person we want to marry. We bring that into every rela- into all of our long term relationships, yeah. and it's a no wonder that that so many of them are failing, right? And so for and this is coming from someone who has had a divorce, right? And, and she this is her processing of that. And think about like the the role that a business plays in your life is up there with a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't talk about those expectations. I think we talk about like surface level revenue goals or something, yeah. but we don't talk about the deeper things that we all expect from our businesses. Yeah, it's true. Think about how easy it is to go like, oh, I made $20,000 this month. I am a good person. Yeah. <laughs> think about how you don't have, you don't ever ask that question about how do I feel right now, but, uh, but <laughs> until you do, because <laughs> you will, Yeah. right? It always keeps it haunting you. And it's good when you start asking those questions, yeah. um, because I, I still feel like Adam doesn't exactly know why he's second guessing himself Mm. he thinks it's about some surface level stuff like my audience isn't defined Mm -hmm. correctly but he needs to be asking these deeper questions and we um it's easy or or i know that it feels like we're a little harsh on adam it's like just go sell the thing you know yeah um but thinking back we all have these situations where we second guessed ourselves yeah Personally, uh, after I started blogging and I got in a mastermind group and I started understanding that you have to create products to make money, you can't just like yeah. hope for it to roll in the front door. Um, then, you know, with my mastermind group, I defined a product. I talked to them about it. Everybody agreed it was a great idea. I drug my feet for like nine months before I finally released this thing. And the work was maybe two months of that. Mm. Most of it was just second guessing myself and putting it on hold because I didn't think it was the perfect idea. You're really worried, especially about the first thing that you come out with, like it's going to define you or people are going to judge you. How old were you when you put out your first product? Um, The first product for this business, uh, that was in 2009. So I was like 30. Two, thirty-three, something. I like think that. there's something really like you know we talk a lot about expertise and how like you kind of have to have this expertise. Um, it really it really helps that you build your expertise. You know about a thing, you can you can teach it confidently. To yeah. me, it's this confidence factor that isn't like oh I am I can do this. It's really it's like oh I know what's helpful about this thing. I know where people struggle with this thing. Like that's the expertise to me. That's yeah. like the big deal. Is like when I realize that okay, it's hard for people to start a podcast because they don't understand the sequence of events and they don't think through the idea that like they have to nail who they're they have to figure out who their audience is and who they're making things for and they have to figure out how to put a show together and here's a few quick tricks to do that. Like that's that's something that would take me two days to make. Just like here's super valuable stuff for the people who are struggling to do this thing because. Because I've been making courses now for three years, I've been trying to teach people for almost right. ten years, you know, even longer than that, and I'm and I'm used to the battles that it takes to because I've started my own podcasts, mm-hmm. right? So because of that little that that even tiny bit of experience, and if we even want to call it expertise, I can go with conviction, saying like, no, these are the common places that people fall apart, and so here's the things that fix those problems, and here's how to get through them, and and then I put it out there saying like, some of you are going to be go getters, and you're going to be able to do this, and if you if that's you, then this was gonna this is going to help you a ton, and I can't make like you said, Steph, I can't make every anybody do what they're not already going to do, so but I can help you if you are on that path. It's just something about that like conviction of the value of the work 
This is something that was always true with freelancing for me too, setting prices. Everybody's like, how much hell should I set my prices? It's a huge problem. It's, it's like really challenging to figure out how to do, unless you know how valuable the work is that you do. Mm -hmm. Unless you realize how happy they are to pay that price because now they don't have to worry about their website anymore, yeah. right? Like it's like, oh, once you get that, you understand this so much of this stuff. Right. And for this problem specifically, Adam can know that because think about it. I'm going to charge what, you know, I don't know, maybe he was charging a couple hundred dollars for this course. Mm -hmm. And yet the thing that he's trying to help people build uh, can be worth many tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. His podcast is worth that to him. He just sold $12,000 worth of a product. Yeah. So that I think, you know, it, and it's probably not a pricing issue for him, mm -hmm. but that's one way to look at it. Yeah. To think that I'm helping people create something that will blank. Yeah. What will that do for their life? Sure. And yeah. practically speaking, I think there is something to having segments of an audience. I mean, we know that we have different segments of our audience, people building different types of businesses. We talked a lot about archetypes and how that factors into the decisions you make along the way in building a business. And so that's probably valid. There are probably different types of people in Adam's audience with different levels of experience and expertise related to podcasting or content marketing, as he put it. And my practical uh, tip for him was like, hey, cool, write an email series for each of the three types of people in your audience that guides them through the material mm -hmm. and relate that to them mm -hmm. instead of going back and changing everything you've already made. It, like, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. It can be both and. In this case, especially where you can help specific people get through the material well so that they get the most out of it yeah. without rebuilding a product. You can even just add like little notes along the way. Right. Like, hey, by the way, if you're, um, you know, taking this course because you're using this for content marketing purposes, which is like a weird audience segment anyway, isn't that what a podcast is? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyway, you know, you could add just little notes saying, yeah, hey, if this is your use case, then pay specific attention to this. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a software developer, then pay t attention to this, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, there's a lot to get to get into with like kind of quote unquote fixing or figuring out, you know, what what he could do from here. But here, let's try to let's let me try to think through what we've said and 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 summarize some of these bits. Guys, help me if I forget things here. It sounds like okay. I mean, really, the the general story here is I did some, I launched something, it did okay. I kind of let it lie fallow after that. I want to come at it again, and I feel like it's important for me to focus more on my target audience. Um, so, so that that's what Adam's kind of question is. And we talked about how you know what you already launched it, and it did pretty good. So maybe there isn't much of a problem with the target audience. Why are we thinking about target audience so much? Why are we discuss? Why are we having asking so many questions about something that's already been working? Um, what's going on there, Adam? Is kind of what am I? What my sense of it is? We got into uh, some of this self doubt or the ways that we question ourselves as entrepreneurs. Like, uh, is this the right way to go? Is my audience defined enough? Is it too defined? Is it going to? You know, I think. Telling is is Adam's the title of his forum thread is is hey if I define my audience more I will effectively cut out fifty percent of my current target audience is that okay it's kind of like getting to the gist of the title that he had and and again it's like okay wait hold on you launched this thing it was successful uh, enough to like people are buying it now what what is how do you already know that this isn't working? And so maybe there's things that he's left out that we we don't really know that, totally. that maybe he's been trying and it's not selling or something like yeah. that. Um, but but I think what what to me I'm picking up in this as the as the main sort of thread is this idea of the th the ways that we can doubt ourselves. We can spin ourselves into a spiral of of kind of destructive question asking mm -hmm. instead away from 
away from what is the work that I'm to do right now? How do I how do I put that out into the world, and 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 into this sort of this dark forest of of like, is this what I should be doing? What's the path of, of this stuff? Like like, is there a future for me in this? Am I the right kind of person to do this? Am I allowed to do this? Like all of those questions that to me have followed me for forever and have been my constant companions. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and so we talked a lot about like, okay, let's let's try to clear some of this forest stuff out of the way, get, let some light in because you're asking a lot of questions potentially about this work or maybe needing and expecting things from this work that no work can probably give you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you if you bring your expectations down uh, uh, around the work and go like, this is going to be a really helpful course for anybody who wants to start a podcast. That's just what it's going to be. You know what I mean? Then it's like, oh, Okay, so you're not expecting it to be your sort of rise to the top. Like I'm at the top of the heap. I'm a very yeah. important person. It's a building. It's a part of the 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 castle that you create. It's one of the blocks in this thing that yep. that a- adds up to your body of work. And and that that to me is an exciting sort of thing. The challenge is we all got to make our ends meet, right? We all have to earn actually a living from these a lot of these things. I'd love to build a podcasting course that re- that to end all podcasting courses but i can't spend the next four years making it i have to earn a, a revenue from the thing before then yeah you know and that you know i love the dynamic of working on a team and our our team specifically yeah. because we all do get to um have those big existential questions mm-hmm. but at the end of the day somebody always brings up reality yeah which is you know we have a business we're all looking after each other's interests here financially yeah and so that has to be part of the reality. And I think that um, Adam is allowing himself to um, pursue other other outs, mm. uh, like, you know, maintaining, having a job or whatever, yeah. uh, so that he can spend all this time thinking about the perfect product or whatever. Whereas sure. if he just dosed it with a little reality saying, you know, like you said, I'm going to build a product. Hopefully it'll help somebody make a decent podcast. Hopefully it'll put some money in my pocket so that I don't have to work a job mm-hmm. and I'll learn what it's like to create a product and then I can evolve it over time. Just make it as simple as that and um, and don't let yourself stall out. You know, that's the, yeah. at the end of the day, we all have to just put one foot in front of the other and mm-hmm. know that we'll get somewhere eventually, but it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be overnight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I would- I would also say to not worry too much. You know, Adam has this concern that some of his audience are going to know things that they might feel are too basic for them. That's one of his main concerns, that this more advanced audience will look at some of the more basic content and be turned off. There was an interesting comment from uh, a fizzler named Jason who said, giving people permission to skip parts could be helpful. So he says it could be like a choose your own adventure book where it says, if you already have a podcast, feel free to skip ahead to chapter three. And he says, however, I've been reading and hearing about, quote, choosing a niche for years. Everyone talks about it, but I don't get annoyed if I buy a new course and it's in there because I know it's an important part of the process. So that kind of had me thinking in Fizzle, we have people who join Fizzle who are in all the, you know, we talk about the three phases of the roadmap. They could be in phase one at the very beginning. They could be already making money. They could have a really successful business with a team already. Mm. And for us, you know, we've heard from people over and over again who are further along in their business that they actually like to go back to those beginning steps and they are still making new discoveries about their business. Or at the very least, it's confirming their current direction and making them feel more confident about, you know, where they are. So I wouldn't overlook those people who are just because they're further ahead you might have some really unique insight for them that they didn't think about before Hmm. yeah and at the same time we have um chosen specifically to build a product that helps people through a certain part of the journey Mm -hmm. and we know that 
once you get beyond a certain point, we don't have that much for you. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. We've given our per ourselves permission to say, that's great that you have so much success. I think you could get something from these couple of courses yeah. um, and, you know, and the growth framework that we put together. Mm -hmm. But that's it. That's the extent of our resources right now for people in the advanced stages, you know, aside from the community and, and asking us questions. Yeah. But we don't beat ourselves up when we get advanced people who come in and say, uh, it was too basic for me or whatever, yeah. because we know that's what the product is and who it's for. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a matter of focus. That's a matter of of saying, you know, I can only say yes to so many things, yeah. especially when you have limited time and resources. And the thing is, there are many fewer of those people than there are people who benefit from Fizzle. And so even if yeah. like it's, let's go way beyond what it probably is and say it's 20% of people know everything you're going to teach them in this course, that's not that many you'll issue 20% of refunds and you'll still make money from it. It will still help people and it's still worth putting out there. Yep. So I don't think that the people knowing too much argument is all that valid because a lot of the people who truly know too much are not going to buy things like this to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people who say they know too much, they don't really right. know too much. So, so in closing here, I guess let's, let's all go around the horn. I'll start and uh, with just like... To someone out there who who is in a similar situation to Adam, maybe you've you've launched something and you kind of let it lie fallow and and you're like wondering how to come back into it, or maybe you haven't launched the thing yet and you're you notice that you're dilly dallying, you notice that you're what I call fiddling, you're just fiddling around with trying to maybe think about maybe one day launching a product or a podcast or a thing. If you're feeling that, I would love for you to get a sense of what are what is it that you want from this work. What are the expectations that you have of this work? What in your wildest dreams you may wave a magic wand? Like what what happens? Look honestly at those expectations and the ways that, that the things that you're hoping this work gives you, and and think if if it's realistic that your work could give you that ever right. So so can and then can you redefine those expectations? Can you say so instead? My expectation of this work is I'm going to I, I'm going to sell however many, but ten people will go through this course and have and have launched you know, have got, have gotten through 50 episodes of their podcast within the next two years or whatever, right? Then it's like, okay, that's a very different thing. We're on the path to helping people launch 50 or helping 10 people launch podcasts, whatever, right? Like they, they actually do the work and do it. Whatever, figure through your expectations on this thing and get to something that feels more true, more honest and more like the kind of thing you'd like to stand up for. That's my two cents at the end. What, what do you buy you, Corbin? Uh, I guess I'd say... Um... Adam, it's time to grow up a little bit and to stop letting your emotions dictate where you take your business and, and what success you have and, and to start thinking about your the mind within your mind, the the rider and the elephant metaphor. Whoa. You have to have, or the, the CEO and the worker bee metaphor. Mm -hmm. You have to have some part of your brain that recognizes that you have all these tendencies to second guess yourself and to want all of this emotional stuff to come to fruition through these products that you create. But another part of your brain has to recognize that that's what's happening. Hmm. And that's what's derailing you from achieving the success that you should be having already because of the trajectory that you were on. Yeah. Um, and just you're going to have to rely on that part of your brain to force the rest of you to just do the work despite all of the questions that you're going to have about it. Yeah. Yeah. Barrett? I'm just going to read exactly my last little bullet point to this forum post. Chase loves the opening line. For the love of all that is good in the world, please do not start over. 
There's zero proof that you need to do that. If you make an honest effort to sell the existing course to online entrepreneurs and you can't make money from it after 90 days, then come back here and tell us what you've tried. Only then should should you even consider creating something new. And I would say the same thing to anyone who has a product sitting on their hard drive, ready to go, not public, not able to make money, until you have concrete proof that it is not working for people and that it is not an honest effort on your part to help the people that you're selling it to, you have a duty to get it out there because until you do, you're not going to learn from the experience and you're not going to be able to make it better. You said duty. (laughs) Steph, what do you think? I say when in doubt, talk to your customers. And if you don't have customers yet, talk to somebody who could be your ideal customer. Actually, in the thread, Chase gives some really good advice. He says, talk to three people who could be your customers and build this for them. You know, it's really interesting. I wish that everyone who's listening could see this thread. Adam is really lucky in that in this particular case, he actually has a few members of his audience in the thread who are chiming in with just like nuggets of wisdom in terms of, you know, I bought the course and then I kind of wondered what happened Mm. or I listened to your podcast and here's what I was looking for if I'm being totally honest. And I learned so much about Adam's business just from reading what his actual customers were saying. And then by the way, in the thread, there were like three people who were like, hey, whatever happened to your podcast? Like I miss it. I want to hear it again. Mm. So I think sometimes talking to your customers like that is the way to make sure you're on the right path. And often, I mean, if you're if you're looking for an ego stroke, a lot of times that's in there as well, because people, especially in the case of Adam, where people bought his product ahead of time, there is validation there. There is demand. And he needs to let that be his guiding light. Mm, I like that. Uh, Steph, you mentioned you wish that someone could see the the Fizzle Forum for themselves. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm that's glad like you a hard left that. that little hook in. That's there. a hard thing. I mean, it's really <laughs> difficult to do, right? Like you have to jump through a bunch of hoops, and you can't just like, you get, it's just so tough to do. There's right? no way that you could be in there like one minute from now. Like maybe there's no way that you could be in the Fizzle forums reading this. Exact yeah, exactly. That's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining now, right? it takes a long time. It's like all this sign application up application process and thumbprints. Like I need to get it notarized. Like what? Well, Tell me what, what it's really like. Well, the cool thing is, first of all, if you're a fizzler, I absolutely recommend, you know, you already have access to the community. Go in there and, and go to this thread because I love all the responses. So this is required reading if you're in fizzle. So if a fizzler, you're not, is that someone who's like sort of like just like not doing a good job on their bit? Like, what does that mean? Fizzler? <laughs> So for people who are who are part of our community, we call them fizzlers. I think we've said that a couple of times. So sorry if that's been confusing. But if you're in our community, we will lovingly call you a fizzler and being part of our community and trying out the training and community that we talk about on the show is super simple. All you have to do is go to fizzle.co slash try five. And we're actually going to give you five weeks of fizzle for free. Cancel any time. We, you could totally cancel and no hard feelings and just come check it out. Even if you just want to read so this hold thread. On, hold on a second. Like I, you're like, be a part of the community, be a part of the community. I don't really want to be a part of community. Like I want to grow a bit. Like, do you have anything for me if I don't really like want to be part of the community? Like I just, I just want to maybe see this thread and like maybe surf around the forums. And I, I don't know what else do you have for me. Totally. So luckily the forums and the community, if that's not your thing, it's only a small part of what we do at Fizzle, we have dozens of courses on everything from how to choose a topic to how to start a podcast, for example, since we've been talking about that. Tons of different courses you can try out. And huh. in the in the five weeks that are available to you because you're a podcast listener, our usual trial is actually just 14 days. But what? Since, since you listen to the podcast, you've got five weeks. And, five um, weeks? That's a lot. That's like eight more weeks and 14 days. I know, right? And we would love to see you take as many courses as you possibly can and get the most out of that trial. You, you, it sounds like you're practically giving it away. How are you expecting to make any money off this? If I do it for free, I can go in there. I could probably finish like two or three whole courses. Like, how are you going to make any money on this, right? 
I dare you to go in there and finish two or three courses. We think that would be awesome. That's wow. what I have to say. Yeah. And uh, I just want to point out that uh, if people are wondering, like, how do I discover threads like this? Like, where are the good conversations mm. happening? One of my favorite parts of Fizzle yep. is something that Steph does every week. She sends an email on Friday called This Week in Fizzle. Mm. And it catches you up on anything that you might have missed, all the juiciest, deepest, most valuable conversations that are happening in the forums, anything new that's come mm-hmm. out. Um, and uh, I look forward to it because sometimes I catch up on what's been going on. Yeah. I mean, I would I would go so far as to say that This Week in Fizzle is, is like the heartbeat of the Fizzle community. You know, it just really co- connects us, brings us together. Um Listen, well, it sounds like you can just jump right into Fizzle anytime. Give it a shot. You got five weeks, uh, and you could at least get one or two courses done there. I'd love for you to see actually the introductory videos that we made that you know, get automatically walked through. First mm-hmm. of all, there's a there's a little GIF, little success GIF, mm-hmm. customized, customized. Um, second of all, got like four short or I think six short videos. They're like each like a minute or two a piece. They're awesome. You want to talk about user onboarding, huh? Is that mm-hmm. what you want to talk about? You want to talk about getting to know what you could do in Fizzle? I could talk about Fizzle all day long. See, that's conviction. That is conviction. I know this is valuable. I know it's important. I know people are struggling with it. I know it helps them. And if a lot of and a lot of people cancel all the time, a lot of more people sign up. But it's exciting to me to feel like this can be really valuable for people out there. So <laughs> I feel like an infomercial right now more than ever before. <laughs> uh, that is not a comfortable feeling. Um, but I also feel like. Uh, Rick Steves promoting his travel books because he's just like, I know that when you're traveling around Paris, it can be hard to find a nice bed and breakfast. It's great to have a nerd near here. (laughs) (laughs) I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Allen Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we will see you there or we'll see you another time. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Adam. For your brutal honesty, I think you are brave. You can do this. You are doing it. Show notes for this episode you'll find at fizzleshow.co slash 143. What I've made available right up at the top of the show notes there is the free guide to defining your audience. It's something we put quite a bit of work into, and it's totally free. Uh, So if you sign up for that, it'll be emailed right to you. You'll also be on the email list so that whenever we release a new podcast episode, you'll get that right in your inbox uh, with a a little picture and a link and a a button that you can click to come over here, or it'll already be in your podcast app, right? Because you're subscribed to this thing, right? Again, all of that found at fizzleshow.co slash 143. Here's an iTunes review from Jonathan Fitt in Canada who said, I wanted to make this a three-star review so that Chase would take the time to read it, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I like the show too much. I listen as much for the entertainment as the business insights, and it's the perfect length for my hill interval run. Cheers and keep up the great work. That's a long run, Jonathan. That's, that is, you really are Jonathan Fitt. <laughs> Get it? That was his name in iTunes. Anyways, our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. That's what our goal is with The Fizzle Show. We publish an episode every single Friday. If this has at all helped you, if it's something you enjoy, uh, please consider leaving us a review in iTunes. We love to read the reviews. We read every single one. I share them with the team. I get an email when we get new ones. Um, I love it. It's one. Of, it's, it's a great source of feedback for us, and it helps other entrepreneurs find the show. So if you haven't yet, could you fire up iTunes, 
and click write a review of The Fizzle Show. You just go to iTunes, you search the store for Fizzle, you click on the orange crazy uh, faces that are staring at you, and click write a review. I'd love to hear your voice there. Listen, I've got another uh, benediction for us here from Father John O'Donohue. A, uh, a, actually, I don't think he's a father. He's a poet. He's an Irish poet. This is a good one. Listen to this. May your work assume a proper space in your life. Instead of owning or using you, may it challenge and refine you, bringing you every day further into the wonder of your heart. Ooh, God, that's a good one. And that is our hope for you this new year. It is the first day of 2016. May your work bring you every day further into the wonder of your own heart. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.